All right, say something. Something. Wow. No good or? Well, so I'm trying to turn it down because I don't want those noises. But you are just like whispering. <laughs> You're making no attempt to talk. <laughs> so, it's, it's how I talk, though. It isn't how you talk. Your voicemail tape perfectly. Let me just say something else. Uh, something else. All right. Are you ready? Uh, yes. Okay. Hello and welcome to Yeah, that can't be good A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka The longest running original series on the sci-fi channel to date Thanks for joining us If you'd like to leave a comment You can do that on our website EurekaRewatch.com On our Facebook page Facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch Or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch Let's get going Here's Doug with the Google Play Synopsis. Season 1, Episode 10, Purple Haze. Carter can't understand why nearly everyone in Eureka is behaving more strangely than usual. He has to find out what has affected or infected the townsfolk before a misguided Stark unleashes the wrath of the artifact on the world. Written and story by Jamie Paglia and Andrew Cosby. Teleplay by Johanna Stokes. Directed by David Strayton. Original air date, September 19th, 2006. Thank you, Doug. Hi, this is Vicki, and I'm back this week with Doug Gramley to talk about Purple Haze. Purple Haze, yes. not the drug and not the uh, song. <laughs> okay, so in this episode, it starts with a dispute between Fargo and Seth. And we have mind-altering pollen, and then disputes between just about everybody. And at yep. the end, we're told Henry is leaving Eureka. So, where do you want to start? Well, first, Jack runs into Henry fixing a cell tower yes. or installing a cell tower. And his whole thing is that he wants everyone in Eureka to have great cell phone service or Wi-Fi or right. something along those lines. You would think that they would already have that. Exactly, yeah. I know. There was a f- funny interaction between Jack and Henry at the beginning. Henry! What do you think? What what should I think? That the residents of Eureka are going to have the clearest, most secure cellular satellite Wi-Fi communication system in the world. Just what I was going to say. I knew that. See, I knew that. Oh, wait a minute. It's late. Aren't you supposed to be watching the game? I was. uh, Fargo called. (laughs) Wagner again. I don't know. I got all the conductors confused. Composers. I rest my case. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Right, which doesn't go the same way the next time he runs into him. So he's on his way to settle a dispute between Fargo and his neighbor, Seth, who's playing extremely loud music for his plants. And apparently this is an ongoing dispute because Carter says to Fargo, you called him a gardener again, didn't you? Right, there's some history between the two of them. 
you assume that he's been there before for the same reason. There's a scene where Fargo's being chased by the helicopter, and I can't think of that old movie. Is it North by Northwest? I'm not too sure. There's a movie, I'm going to have to look it up later, and I meant to look it up before, but it's 5.30 in the morning and I forgot. I think it's Cary Grant, and there's a famous scene of him running with an airplane following him. Okay. It's really famous. They always show that in any kind of old movie clip montage. He's running, and this plane is flying low, chasing him. I assume that's what they were trying to do with Fargo when he was running through the field. He was being chased, yeah. Yeah, right. So I'll, I'll look that up and put it on our website if I'm wrong or right. But I know it's a famous movie clip. I'm just not sure that if that was the name of the movie. That's what it reminded me of when Fargo was running through the field getting sprayed by manure. Uh, yes, you're right. It's North by North. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Yes, I'm just looking it up right now. Yay, me. <laughs> So, can you see the clip? Uh, yeah, the first thing that pops up is a scene of him being chased by a plane. And is it Cary Grant? Uh, I couldn't pick Cary Grant out of a lineup, but uh, yes. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, wow. So anyway, Carter goes back to, I think it's a football game. Yeah, right? he, there's a, a football game. He's pretty upset because he got called out. He's missing missing the game. So he's got a steak waiting for him and beer. And then he goes back and sure enough, his daughter is watching the game and eating his steak, which he was not too pleased. No, no. And then we go to Allison and Nathan, and they look like they're having a kind of a date night. It's, it's weird. They're like on and off. Yeah, yeah. Because the last episode, Primal. Yeah. I think is when she gave, gave him divorce papers. And then towards the end, it looked like they were getting back together. I'm taping out of order, so I might be confused about what came first. But it's okay. like it seems like every episode, the last few episodes, either at the beginning they're um, having a dispute, and then it seems like they're getting it back together, or they're getting back together, and then towards the end it's back to where they were yeah, before. Yeah, they're, they're very civil with each other. Yeah. Or they're just completely hostile. It's just kind of a weird, weird thing. But, you know, come to find out that Nathan's intentions weren't really that. He more or less wanted Allison to agree on... on doing research on the artifact, right? Right. And they lead us to believe that it's always, always about the artifact. Yeah. So, of course, she gets angry and makes him leave. And then Seth puts the music back on. We see Fargo crawling under the fence to cut the music cords. And Seth and Fargo both pass out. And then we see people all around town passing out. Right. The next day, everybody's acting totally different. Although, they're acting different... But it's probably an exaggerated version of how they really feel at times. Well, I was going to say, like, it seemed like some people were acting a little different and then other people were more or less speaking their mind. Right. Their frustrations that they... Yeah, they would be so, you know, more or less reserved. Right. So it was was weird. Like, I couldn't tell what the issue was. Were they acting the opposite or were they really trying to... Were they acting like, how you know, themselves... Well, the, like you said, like a more exaggerated version. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Um, because the only one who kind of seemed the opposite was Joe. Joe, yeah. Although, and sort of spoilers, but we know she's kind of a girly girl underneath. She just doesn't let it out. Yeah, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say she was acting girly girl. She was just very loopy. Yeah, dippy and loopy, yeah. Yeah, so it was weird. She was acting more like a... Uh, not so much as a, a tomboy, 
you know, I would understand her her acting a little different, but she was just very loopy and and almost childlike. Right, like an earhead kind of. Yeah. 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 And whereas everybody else was more aggressive. Everyone pretty much everyone else seemed to be acting more aggressive. Right. Except and I don't know if you think the same thing, but even though Fargo and Seth were were passed out along with everybody else, so they were obviously affected. They don't seem to change too much towards each other. I, I think they would yeah. have acted that way, whether or not they were affected. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. It was weird. Yeah, I wouldn't say that they were any more aggressive towards each other. Which I mean, I, maybe Fargo acted, you know, a little more physical. Yeah, maybe. But he went in and cut Seth's wires before he was affected. And Seth went to burn down his house, which they had so much animosity between each other. I don't know that he wouldn't have tried to do that anyway, you know, which kind of just says to me that their personalities are over the top anyway, and they just couldn't get any more over the top, even when they're affected by this, whatever this was. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. And well, we should say that Carter and Zoe are the only ones in town that don't seem to be affected, at least the only main people in town that right. seem to be effective. And Carter doesn't even realize that until a good long ways through, because he originally thinks it's the cell tower. Right, yeah. When he gets back to his little bunker, he, and he breaks out the word hermetically, yes. right? Yes, Which I was shocked that he even <laughs> right. would say a word like that. I know. <laughs> but then he kind of figured out that it wasn't the cell tower, but it was the plant I don't know how he came to the conclusion that it was the plants, but... I think because Sarah said something about pollen, and then she said it was... Um, whatever she said about the pollen, he remembered Seth talking about it. And I can't remember exactly what she said about the pollen, but that made him think of the plant. Then there was Beverly. She's a psychotherapist. So, I mean, really, as somebody who has to listen to people's problems all day, I get that. I mean, even though that's her job. Yeah. You know, I could see how she would just be totally disgusted with having people interrupt her all day long. To have the ability to just say what she said when Allison was talking to her during lunch. Right. Uh, I mean, I can tell you how many times I wish I could say that. Just leave me alone during lunch. And the advice she gives Allison, although a little hostile, was make a choice and stick with it. Yeah. So Allison decides to make a choice, and she chose Carter, although he was good enough not to take advantage of the situation. Uh, yeah, which was a great scene. <laughs> it was, especially at the end when he's at the window. <laughs> yep, yeah. I highly recommend uh, everyone watches at least that one. Just scene. for that scene, right? Yes. <laughs> and backing up a little bit, and I think in the last episode that we did together, you said something about Carter's frustrations about being sheriff. Yep. There's a point earlier in the episode, he goes to arrest Fargo because he thinks that Fargo hit Seth in the head with a shovel. Which, of course, he didn't. They just passed out. He goes to arrest Fargo. Now, if he had done that, or if he was suspected of doing it, that's a crime. There's no two ways about it. It's a crime. And Correct. Nathan's telling him, no, he has to work. I could see that's where the frustration is really starting to show its head. Yeah. Because he's doing his job. It's almost like, okay, Fargo's suspected of murder, and Nathan's like, well, no, he has to work. Why does he get to override the sheriff all the time? Yeah, I don't think he. I don't think it's something that he gets to do. No, he doesn't. But he thinks he can. Yeah, I just think it's something that he he does. I don't think he thinks that Carter has really any authority. No, he doesn't respect his authority, and I think yeah. he doesn't think anybody has any authority but him. Right. Period. 
thought you were a team player, Glazer. But if you're not with me, I can do it myself. But Dr. Stark. I don't need you. Very well. Um, and she was another one who acted, I don't think he acted any more different than, you know, he normally would have. You know, he was all about the artifact and maybe he went to slightly extreme measures to be able to get to it. But otherwise, he was any more different than, than normal. Uh, only in the way that, you know, he doesn't like Carter. You know why he doesn't like Carter. He always makes you believe he doesn't like Carter because Carter's not as intelligent as them. Which you know right. he doesn't like Carter because of Allison, and he actually says that. He says, "I don't like Mayberry looking at my wife like a shark looking at Chum or something." Yeah. So that actually comes out, and then stuff with him and Allison come out about him moving to Washington to take a job. You know, so that stuff wouldn't have ever come out with Nathan. Yeah. I think it was more like a truth serum. Right, you know, the effect was were... small on him. Yeah, that's true. And this was funny, too, because they have uh, Fargo and Seth locked up in the prison, and Joe has this giant water shooter thing. Right, yeah. And she's shooting them, and any time they get close enough or cause trouble, and then she shoots Carter, so, of course, he takes it away from her. And Joe, being Joe, even though she's acting like an airhead and flighty, she has another water pistol in her an- in her her ankles holder. Yep. Just like she would normally if it was an actual right, yeah. so I thought that was funny. Carter asked Naked Tagger to help him. He says dismantle the tower, but he really just wanted to turn it off. You know, and Taggart, of course, has a chainsaw with him. I don't think that was any more different. You know, it wasn't right. acting any opposite. That's what he, and that's what Carter says. I can't even tell if that's... <laughs> right, yeah, it's, it's the real you or yeah. the... Uh... Then Carter's trying to get help from Henry, and Henry's just not giving him any help. And the things yeah, he he's says, very belligerent. Yeah. You need something from me? Well, there's a shocker. Okay, I'm just gonna ignore that. And push on. Um, people seem to be under the influence, doing whatever the hell they want, like they're drunk. Some of us are. Could it be uh, an infection? Something like uh, contagious Tourette's? How did you get all those big words to come out of that tiny little brain? You know, you're really mean drunk. It's spreading. So how's it being transmitted? Is it a virus? I don't know. I don't care. The doctor is out. And Maria, I can't solve this alone. Well, then you're really screwed. And the things he says, you can see that's really how he feels, whether he realizes it. Well, he realizes it towards the end. But, you know, everybody counts on him. Everybody calls him, which is true. We've watched the whole series, so we know what Henry's about. But people just watching, starting to watch the series, we're still not clear what Henry is there for. Right. He's obviously more intelligent than just about anybody there. Why doesn't he work at GD? They couldn't have brought him to town to own a garage. And he's called for every crisis. 
Yeah. So you would think he would have a higher position in Eureka than just being the mechanic. I mean, we know about Henry, but if you're only this far into the series, you have to start wondering, what is he there for? Yeah, because he seems like he could do almost anything. And I don't know if it's just his personality where he just prefers to not have, um, maybe he just likes to work for himself. Right, but I think people are brought to Eureka. I don't think they just decide to move there. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. So, if I'm correct, you have to assume that he was at some point brought there. Like, Zoe and Carter, when they first got stuck there, yeah, they were stuck there, they left. But then he was hired were, to come yeah, back. Yeah, he was hired back. So you have to imagine, even the people who own the shop, because most of those people, we find out later on, all have some kind of skill or expertise, too. I mean, even the dry cleaner. You have to assume that people were brought there. They don't just say, hey, we're moving to Eureka. You know? So um, people watching up to this point have to be wondering what he's there for. Yeah. You can see and you can agree with what he's saying. Everybody does call on him. And, you know, even earlier in the season, you know, he was very angry when he found out, I think it was in uh, Dr. Nobel, when he found out that they armed the moon with mirrors for that laser. Yep. So he was very upset that they armed the moon. He always seems to work, not against GD, but if there's a choice between, and I've said this before, between Carter finding out what's going on and GD hiding secrets, he, he Henry seems to take the side of finding out what the secrets are. Right. So I think what he says to Jack and Vincent is kind of his true feelings. But yeah, without a doubt. Like I think it, it, it's something that's been kind of boiling inside of him. Right. Entire time, and the uh, pollen gives him that ability to just say it and not care. Right. I mean, I'm sure he felt it, but I don't think he even realized how much he felt it about the work he wasn't getting to do, about how everybody comes to him. Because I yeah. think with Henry, it seems like there's more. It's more about the work. He even says, "I came here to work without restrictions," and he said, "And then everything you do." is taken and taken by the machine, he calls it, and turned into something different, meaning weapons, I would assume, or things like that. And I'm not even sure he knew he felt that way 100% until all this was over, and then he decides he has to leave. I'm now, sorry. did they find out if the cell tower had anything to do with the pollen reaching all the people? No, the cell tower had nothing to do with it. The cell tower wasn't even online. Well, I wonder if maybe Henry sort of feels guilty see i thought i took it especially this time when i watched it i took it that he finally realized and he's fed up with not being able to do what he wanted to do what he came there to do i don't think he felt guilty i i got the impression that he just realized that yeah those are my feelings and i'm here for no good reason except to help everybody else yeah he did say it wasn't online. I think they just threw that cell tower in there to throw us off until we figured out it was the plants. That's the way I saw it anyway. Yeah, I, I forgot that, that the tower was offline because usually it's like a perfect storm in this town. But, One thing and another thing and those two things combined equal disaster. So that's why I thought that was the case here. But yeah, I think you're right. I think he's just fed up and I think he realizes it. And I think that made him realize it, yeah. Yeah. Then Beverly decides to get on the PA system 
and starts spilling right. everybody's start talking everyone's dirty secrets. in alphabetical order. So, of course, she starts yep. with Allison. And by the time Carter gets to her, she's on Walter and Susan Perkins. And not long after Allison gets there. Yeah. <laughs> and her and Beverly physically fight. I'm sorry. I thought that fight was hilarious. Yeah. Well, Carter tries to step in and then gets knocked out. It was just way too choreographed. I mean, I know yeah. all fight scenes are choreographed, but it was overly choreographed. It, you could see that whatever parts of the fights were actually them. Yeah. We're just going through the motions, and I thought it was, like, the probably the most ridiculous scene in the whole entire series, to me. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't all that convincing. No, and it, it was just so over the top, it was ridiculous. But then, of course, Carter finally gets the upper hand and chains Allison to the door and Beverly to the radiator and then goes off to save the world with the help of Zoe, which I always love when they work together. Yeah, it's, you know, usually it's Carter and Henry, you know, that they figured out in this time it was Carter really on his own figured out what the issue was and then Zoe helps him along and yeah it's it's nice to see that relationship blossom yeah it was oh I wanted to go back to Cafe Diem because Vincent was hilarious in this scene oh yeah yeah as, as someone who's worked in the restaurant industry before <laughs> yeah I could totally relate yeah to his feelings yeah. Especially for those two weird The, the twin. twin guys. Yeah. Yeah. But the, there was one part when the chef um, rings the bell and Vincent picks up the food and he looks at him and then he does the weirdest smile. It was so weird, but it was so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I love that scene. I loved him in that scene. I didn't, I've never worked in a restaurant, but I've worked in retail and I get that. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah you just want to smash the customer over the head with whatever you're holding. <laughs> right. So I get that. And I get, you know, even though he's happy most of the time that you have to imagine deep down, he has his days that he's frustrated just like that. Although he doesn't yeah. hit people over the head with a plate. But but anyway, back to Carter. He decides he has to go burn these plants, but he has to find them. So Zoe's home on the computer trying to identify what they look like. And, of course, Taggart comes and hits him over the head because he's going to burn the plants. Nature one man nil. Right. <laughs> that scene ended relatively quickly. All Carter had to do was say he was going to roast his chestnuts, and yeah. Taggart took off. The scene was almost pointless. Was, yeah, I think they just wanted to throw yeah. Taggart in there naked again. So he burns all these plants... And, of course, it takes a few hours, but everybody starts to come out of the plant's effects. Except for Nathan, because Nathan's in GD, and I imagine GD is sealed. Yeah. Like Carter's house. You know what I yeah, mean? So he, yeah, so he was, he still remained. Yeah, he remained affected. And, yeah. of course, his mission was to uh, get to the artifact, of course. Now, we're saying that these plants seem to bring up people's feelings, exaggerated as they may be. And we are always of the impression that Nathan is all about the artifact and all about power. But Allison is the one who brings him back. Right. Do you remember when Beverly was talking to that, uh, the person from the government, the congressman, I think it was? Yeah. And he said he had to appeal to what Nathan loves the most, and Beverly said, oh, Allison, and he said, no, power. But I think it is Allison. Even though he's totally obsessed with this artifact and power, I think Allison 
is above all that in his mind. He just doesn't show it. He doesn't know how to yeah. show it. Because she's the, the one who's able to bring him back, even though he's still under the influence of the plant. Yeah, I agree. I think deep down inside, like kind of like that episode with the uh, robot or the artificial intelligence yeah. kid, that there's something inside, you know, something deeper in him. That he doesn't yeah, let out, yeah. There is, other than power and this desire to, to know what this artifact is, I think uh, that his feelings for Allison are definitely up there. And I think one of the funniest lines in the whole episode was Zoe's when the people are starting to come out of it and Carter goes back to the sheriff's office and he says, I hope these people come out of it before we have to start bathing them. Yeah. And she says, oh, it's too late. <laughs> Fargo missed bucket time. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so disgusting. But anyway... Carter gives a speech to everyone. He gives a really nice speech. We didn't hear the whole thing, but towards the end, it sounded like it was a good speech to everyone on the PA system, on Henry's PA system. And then Henry yeah. shares the news that he's going to leave Eureka. And it ends right there. Yep. Which was devastating to me. Yes, I know you like... Uh, I love Henry. His character. <laughs> I was devastated. I was like, oh my God, we got one season. It's not even a full season. And I was mad. I said, they just put him in here to get people to watch. <laughs> yeah. And I was getting rid of him. But I, I like this episode. I really like this episode. Yeah, it was quirky. Yeah. I think uh, it let the actors act a different way or, you know, a little more exaggerated. And uh, I thought it was a fun concept. Although I still don't know why this guy was growing this type of plant. Well, he said something about a grant. Like some sleep-inducing yeah. drug or something. When Zoe was reading the description online, it said it could be used for anesthesia. Okay. So maybe it was, he was trying to produce some natural type of anesthesia. But yeah. it also could alter brain chemistry, it said. Yeah. But just like everybody in Eureka, why are they doing this? I don't know. Because they can. Yeah. So that's pretty much the end, unless we skipped over things you wanted to talk about. No, I think that was, uh, I think that was everything. All right. Okay, we're almost at the end of the first season. This is what? Episode this 10? Episode 10, yeah. Yeah, two more episodes to the end of the very first season. It didn't take that long to get here. Yeah. All right, so if there's nothing else, we'll be back next week for episode 11. See you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. Come back next time for Season 1, Episode in Nothing, House Rules. Goodbye now! Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page, yeah, that can't be good, at facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch, or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at eurekarewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you.